0: All right, um, I'm excited to be here to worship with you, to, to teach you, or to tell you a little bit what God's been teaching me over the last uh, couple of weeks as I've been studying for this talk and, and thinking about it. Um, but first off, the first big thing is, is it too soon to talk about the Blazers yet? Right? Like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> okay, maybe it is. I was like a... <laughs> like a Last week, if you were here and you like looked out there, like everyone had black and red and a Blazers jersey. I've seen two people this week, so we got like two real fans, okay? Um, But the thing is, right? This is exactly I want to talk about this because this is what happens in life sometimes, right? You're expecting something or you're planning something, and you're like, ah, the Blazers got a chance, and then it kind of like crumbles, and you like had no nothing to do about it, and you couldn't change anything, right? Like this bad thing happened, getting swept right, like, oh, okay, right, yeah, like, this thing happened, and it was out of our control, right, this bad thing happens to us, it's out of our control, there's nothing we can do about it, and that happens in our life, right, we, um, we always go through, when we're going through life, there's going to be times where there's things that are happening that we just can't control, that we just have to face and deal with and try to figure out how we can work around those things, uh, but there's nothing we can do to get around them. But then, also, a lot of times, trouble happens because of the choices that we make, right? Not so much um, they just kind of happen out of left field, but because of the choices we make, right? Like, um, maybe you've, like, had dinner, and you've had your dessert, and then you decide, I'm going to have another piece of cake, right? Like, or for me, it's just cake is dinner, you know? That's a bad choice, Aaron, Or a really good one. Um, Or, you know, it's like maybe you don't tell the truth fully when someone asks you something. Right? You're like, you're kind of skirting around the edges of what you need to say. Or maybe it's something like uh, you're talking bad about someone. Right? Like it feels good when you talk bad about someone because it kind of lifts you up. Um, You're making those choices. So often in our lives, what happens is we make these bad choices and they cause us trouble. They cause us stress. When I was growing up, I spent a lot of time in the hospital, it felt like. I made a lot of good choices. My brother made the bad ones, and then I just got hurt, okay? So that's what happened. But there's one time, I remember my dad, uh, we were building a house, and like the foundation was up, so it's like a, a few feet high of cement around the edge. It just looks like a lot of fun. And so my dad like, was going off to work, he's like, hey guys, don't play on the foundation. Just stay away from it. The babysitter didn't hear that. So you know what we did? We went and played on it. And it was all fun and, and we were going along and, and then there was like a little gap you had to jump and we would jump over this little gap and then, and then one time I jumped, I slipped, I fell and all of a sudden I'm like looking up in the sky and there's a piece of rebar that was sticking up out of the ground into my leg. <laughs> right? Yeah, it was awesome. No, it was bad. It was a bad <laughs> consequence, right? And so uh, the thing is, When we heard dad say, hey, don't go play on it, what he was doing is trying to probably keep us safe. Or he didn't want us messing up the foundation, probably. That's really what it is. But he wanted to keep us safe, right? He knew that we would probably get hurt if we were out there, right? Two young kids playing on the foundation, not a good uh, situation. But for us, it looked like dad was just saying, hey, don't have fun. Like, look at this cool thing that's out there. Don't have fun. And so we disobeyed, we went and did our own thing, we got hurt, and there is a consequence, right? I also got like a cool story, a cool scar and stuff, but we're not gonna talk about that, right? The bad thing was that like my parents had a lot of bills or something, okay? Right, like I went through stress and and there was trouble in my life. And so um, there's these times when we decide, hey, what am I gonna do? What are the choices that I have for my life? And sometimes, maybe often, we choose the wrong one. And when we choose these, these things, when we make these bad choices, right, it hurts our relationships with others. It brings about pain in our lives. And see, that's exactly what sin is, right? Sin, really quickly, is just doing that which is against God's will and his word. And so sin... It breaks down. It destroys. That's what sin is all about, right? It, when we sin, when we screw up, when we, we mess up, and we don't do what God has for us, either either through our thoughts or our actions on purpose or by accident, it's breaking our relationship with God, right? There's a separation that happens when we sin, but it also breaks our relationship with each other, Right? Like if you were to lie to someone or if you were to like steal from someone, right, all of a sudden there's going to be tension between there and there's going to be a broken relationship. But also, sin breaks down ourselves. Right? We, when we read the Bible, we see a lot that it's talking about how your body's a temple and you need to take care of it. But when we sin, when we screw up, it actually a, a messes us up. And so the question that I come up with is as followers of Jesus, if we really, as followers and believers of Jesus, say like, yes to God, yes, we believe who you are and what you have for us and that you are good and that you know what's best for us, why do we choose sin? Right, why? I've been, I've been a follower of Jesus for a very long time, pretty much my whole life, right? But yet I still choose sin. And why is that? Why is that still a thing in our lives? And I think it's because sin makes us feel good, right? If it didn't make us feel good, it would be easy to stop doing, right? It's like if someone found in the Bible, there was like, don't eat broccoli, right? Like that's a sin. You wouldn't have to like force me to stop. Right? You wouldn't have to see me sneaking it at the kitchen like late at night like, oh, Aaron snuck to the kitchen to go eat his broccoli. Ooh, look at him. Right? Like, I would just be like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm fine with that. Right? It's not something I enjoy. It's, I don't care about it. But the thing is, when we, when we sin, when we, we make our own choices that aren't in accord to God, right, it sometimes makes us feel good. And we like that feeling. And so we like that so much that we actually go back and we try to find it again. We keep doing those things that make us feel good, feel good in the moment at that time. And even if we feel kind of like remorseful or regretful after the fact, even if you like you sin and you're like, okay, I had that little thing, and like, okay, I'm sorry about that. Like, God, I, I knew I messed up. I shouldn't talk bad about them. I shouldn't have said those things about them. Like, and you're like, I'm sorry. But you've already had that little like feel good moment. Right? No matter what, you've already had that thing. And so your body is already changing. It's like, I like that. Like that was okay. Like it's fine that you were kind of mad or sad about yourself. But I like that little thing. And so I'm gonna, I'm gonna go for that more. That little little piece of pleasure, we think. But what happens is that slowly over time, those things that make us feel good, that give us that momentary instant gratification, they start to become a habit in our lives, right? It starts to just be the normal, just the thing we end up doing because that's what we've always done. And it's easy when something goes bad to just say, okay, I'm just going to go do this thing that kind of makes me feel good, even though we know in the long run it won't. In like Alcohol Anonymous, when you're going through the program, they say there's four big times that you're going to be tempted to fall back into drinks. And they say when you're um, hungry, angry, lonely, and tired. They say, they say those four times in your life, when you're going through your day and you're stressed, or you're, you're hungry, you're angry about something, you're lonely, you're feeling like you're, you're doing it on your own, or you're tired. Those are the times that you're going to want to go back into this old way of life. And I think that happens for all of us. It's so easy for us to just revert back to, hey, this is how I used to live before I knew it was a follower of Jesus, and I knew that God was best. I just easily found a happiness in this other thing. And so we choose sin. And we cause that trouble on ourselves. But what also happens, what can happen, is that there are good things in our life, right? Good things in our life that can start to pull us away from God, right? Work is good. Money, having money is good. Friends are good. Family is good. Safety is good. Being comfortable is good. But when that becomes our focus, when we shift our eyes off of who God is and what God has for us, and we focus onto those things more than anything else, that's the thing that we end up worshiping. That's the thing that becomes our God. Right? And so we need to be aware that though there's sin that we can say like, yes, those things are obvious. I, I shouldn't be a part of those. Those things shouldn't be a part of my life. But there's also things that are good in our lives that sometimes... We become so focused on. They move from being a thing of pleasure, and they actually become a prison to our lives. I remember a guy in uh, college. Is back when uh, like iPhones were brand new, right? And it was like cool to still have an iPhone, right? Now like every middle schooler has one, but back then it was like only the cool people had iPhones. I did not have one, and so this guy at college, he had one. He had this big case on it. And then he put it in a Ziploc baggie for some reason. Like, that was the seal. I don't, maybe because they weren't waterproof back then. I don't know. Who remembers 2007, okay? But it's like, I remember asking him. I remember, I was like, we're, there's, we had this, like, area, and he was kind of, like, flaunting it off a little bit. And I was like, hey, man, can I see it? And he's like, no. Like, he wouldn't let me hold his phone. I was like, Okay, either I'm really immature or you're really immature. I'm not sure. Maybe both. But it was, like, it was so weird to think that um, he wouldn't let anyone see it. He wouldn't let anyone touch it. Like when he pulled it out, he was like "It's like a precious child or a piece of gold. Or I don't know, whatever you feel valuable is. And he was like, look at this thing. Right? Like this is it. I made it. Right? And while he thought this thing was going to bring him pleasure, it actually started to control his life right? Like, everything he did was to make sure he didn't mess up the phone to the point where he put it in a Ziploc baggie, right? Like, that's so, that still boggles my mind, all right? But it, like, it controlled him, right? It controlled his actions. It controlled his thought. It controlled his, like, perceived status, right? Like, hey, look at me. I got the new, you can't touch it, but I got it, and I bet you you wish you had it. I did. I wanted to punch him, all right? And it's like, okay? And so, right, but, like, for him, who knows what he thought. But for the other, everyone else that was around, it was like, this guy's crazy, right? Like he won't even let us see his phone because he's so scared that if he was to break this thing, it would break who he was. It would destroy him because he was so focused on this thing. And And what's easy, it's easy for us as the outsiders to to look at this guy with this iPhone and go, okay, you're going crazy, man. Like, this is not a healthy relationship anymore, right? You've moved into it holding you, uh, like, taking you captive. But what's really hard is for us to notice that in ourselves, right? For us to identify the places where we sin, to be vulnerable, vulnerable enough to say, like, that is a weakness in my life, or to share that with someone else and say, hey, I have struggles. I need help with this. I was, uh, one of my favorite uh, authors, he says uh, that sometimes we think if we were to share our brokenness to other people, it would create a wall between us. Like if I was willing to share my junk with you, you would be like, whoa, I don't want a part of that. I don't want to mess with your, your stuff. Like that's too much. But he says that when we share our failures and our brokenness with each other, that actually forms a bridge where you're willing to say, like, hey, this is what I'm dealing with. And someone else is able to say, like, I've been there and I've dealt with that. But that movement of being able to share those things with others is extremely difficult. And it's hard, it's scary. To see those things in our lives, be willing to admit those, and then deal with those, right? And so, uh, we're going to look at a Bible verse here. This is in Romans 6. Uh, if you have the app, they're all in there. we got a lot of verses to get through right now. This is uh, Paul, and he's, he's speaking to this group in this room, and he says this. Surely you know that when you give yourselves like slaves to obey someone, then you are really slaves of that Person. The person you obey is your master. You can follow sin, which brings spiritual death, or you can obey God, which makes you right with him. What we obey is what we live for. We become, it says, its slave. We can either choose uh, to follow our stuff and our status or go after the, the sin that we enjoy, or it says we can follow after God, right? But how do we know? How do we know what we've put our focus on? How do we know if this good thing in our life has now become something that has a hold of us? And I think that we can look at, like, where are you spending your time and your money and your effort and your focus? Because those are the things, if we're always um, thinking and, and working on them, those things then become the thing that we worship because that's where our attention is. When our attention and our focus should be on God. So, the question then is, why follow God? Is Jesus really worth it? Because sin is fun sometimes. It feels good. It's it's good to have family and comfort, but but it's also kind of scary when that becomes our number one in life. And I think that's a question that our friends are asking, is is it really worth it to follow God? Is it really worth it to be a follower of Jesus? This is verse John 10.10. This is a great one. It says this, A thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came to give life, life in all its fullness. I'm the good shepherd, and the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. The worker who's paid to keep the sheep is different from the shepherd who owns them. When the worker sees a wolf coming, he runs away and leaves the sheep alone. Then the wolf attacks the sheep and scatters them. Is there one more verse? Yeah. And the man runs away because he is only a paid worker and he does not really care about the sheep. But God, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just... As the Father knows me and I know the Father, I give my life for the sheep. Jesus promises this abundant life. Right? Can we go back one slide to John 10.10 first? A thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, which mostly we usually say is like, oh, that's sin. A thief, that's sin. But actually anything can come and kill, steal, and destroy your life if we've made that number one in our lives. But then it says, Jesus comes and he says, I am going to give you life and life in all its fullness. Jesus promises this abundant life, right? This, an abundant, it's like a surplus. It's overflowing. There's something greater that Jesus has for us. And the world often says, no. No, you, your, your life isn't that great. If you just add a little bit more, then you'll be happy. But with God, there's this abundant life that's greater. He calls us to a rich, full, joyful life that has meaning behind it, has overflowing meaning and hope. And it says we, we, with Jesus, we have a life of personal blessing a fellowship, a relationship with God and with his people. One where Jesus won't give up on us. That even through the hard times and the troubles that we face, Jesus is there. In Ephesians, um, no, sorry, Ezekiel 34. This is in the Old Testament, another book in your Bible. It's um, written a long time ago. It's talking again about this this good shepherd. And this, this good shepherd and his sheep is used all throughout the Bible. And so I'm not going to read all of it right now. Um, yeah, but I'm just going to piece through it, okay? So this God is this, he, he comes on the scene. There's some people taking care of his people, of the, of the Israelites, and they're not doing well. And so God comes on the scene and he says, you know what? I'm going to show you what it means to be the good shepherd. And so God as the good shepherd he says, Will take care of his sheep. He says he'll seek out the flock when his sheep have been scattered, rescue them from the places, even on a day of clouds and thick darkness. He'll bring them into their own land, feed them by the ravines and on the mountain heights, and the sheep will be down and bring them down into the good grazing land on rich pastures. The good shepherd wants what's best for his sheep. He's trying to guide them. He's trying to protect them. He's he's showing them where the best fields are to eat. He's showing them where to sleep at night so they won't get attacked. He's looking out for their peace and comfort. And this is what God has for us. God is our good shepherd. And, And back in that verse uh, John 10, 15, it says that he goes all the way to lay down his life for his sheep. Think about that. The shepherd cares so much about his sheep. He's like, I'm going to die for my flock. Right? Like, I don't think I would even, like, I, I had a lot of pet fish. I had a, a pet dog. I wouldn't die for one of them. Right? Like maybe some of you have a pet that's like even family. You're like, you spend lots of medical bills on it, right? You're like, I got to say, like, you're not going to die for it. But Jesus says that I am the good shepherd and I am willing to die for you. The shepherd has no business in looking out for his own interests. His own thing, his, all his thought is about All his priority is on his sheep. And I don't think I can fully understand how much God loves us, how much God loves me, because I know all the mistakes, all the failures that I make every day. Even though I've said yes to God, and I I still choose sin, God loves me, and he cares about me, and he wants a relationship with me. And that's what the abundant life is about. It's not about having more stuff. It's about having peace and joy and having God. And so the call for us today is is to be Jesus' true sheep, right? To listen to his voice, to follow in the ways that he guides us. Then we will have this overflowing life. One more thing about this abundant life. Jesus, right near the end of his life, um, he's talking to his disciples, his followers, and he says, like, things are going to get tough here in a minute. He's like, in a few days, I'm going I'm to die. They don't know what he's talking about, really. And he says, things are going to get crazy. And he, and he says this to them. This is John 16, verse 33. He says, I told you these things so that you can have peace in me. In this world, you will have trouble, but be brave. I have defeated the world. In the midst of our suffering and hardship that was to come for these guys and that comes for us, we can have this peace. And this peace comes through our relationship with God, through knowing who God is and through following what God has for us and so you can um, ask that question what is abundant life how do I get that how do I actually start this thing right and it starts with us a relationship right if you've never said like I want to be in a committed relationship with God that I realize my ways are are not the best but you have what's best for me that's the beginning right? And, and, and some of us have already done this, and some of us maybe we haven't, and we still have questions, but that's the start, right? But that's only the start. There's also this ongoing part of the journey that should be working in us, that should be a part of our lives. So yes, we say, Jesus, I want to be your follower. I want to live for you, and he takes away the penalty of sin, but then as we grow, as we learn more, as we grow in a relationship with God, then I think as we get closer to Him, the power of sin will slowly move away from us. That the power of sin won't be something that we struggle with any longer. And so we have been called into this life of freedom, free from being slaves of whatever it is, and we're now called to live for God in this new life, and so since we've said yes, we're called to consistently live in that freedom. And so we co- we're called to grow in our relationship. Philippians 3, verse 12, it says, um, I don't mean that I am already as God wants me to be. I've yet reached that goal, but I continue trying to reach it and to make it mine. Christ wants me to do that, which is the reason Christ, He made me His. Brothers and sisters, I know that you have not reached that goal, but there is one thing I always do. Forget the past and strain toward what is ahead. I keep trying to reach the goal and get the prize for which God has called me through Christ Jesus to the life above. Right? We know that there is this ongoing and we need to stop worrying so much about our past and our mistakes and our failures and go okay what's today what do i have today how can i strive for god today what does god have for me today not how i failed yesterday or last week or last month like we're gonna have to deal with those consequences i see that but we're not supposed to focus on those we're called to focus on what god has for us and to look forward verse 15 says so let's keep focused on that goal Those of us who want everything that God has for us. If any of you have something else in mind, something less than total commitment, God will clear your blurred vision and you'll see it yet. So what are those things in our lives? What are those things that are blurring our vision? Is it there's sin in our life that's separating us from God and from others that we need to to stop, that we need to learn to, to resist? Are there things that we've put first in our life that have now made us captive to those things? It says total commitment to God. And sometimes we think, ah, I've got it made. Sometimes we think, ah, like that's for other people, I'm good. Jesus was talking to some religious people who thought they had it all together. And he says to them, he says, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. And what he's referring back to is in the, in the Old Testament again, in Hosea, there was these people who were doing these sacrifices, which God had commanded them to do, which they were supposed to do, but they weren't doing it with their hearts. Right? They were just going through the motions. And, and God kind of comes to them and says, "Like, dude, like, what are you doing? Like, Stop doing that. I don't care if you're just going through the motions. What I want is your heart. He says, it doesn't matter what you do if your heart isn't in it, right? And I think the same thing happens if, like, if you have a kid, right? Or you have someone that you live with and they want you to have a clean place, right? You can go and say to that child, like, every day, like, clean your room, clean your room, clean your room. Like, if you don't, I'm going to start grounding. And they're like, okay, I'll go clean my room, right? And they're going to clean their room because they don't want the trouble or the pain, But think of this. What if your kid came up to you and was like, hey, my room's kind of messy. I think I'm going to go clean it. Right? You would wake up from having, like, you know, like passing out because you're like, what? What just happened? My kid is finally growing up. Right? You're like, he's so mature. Look at my child. He wants to clean his room. Right? But what happens is the motivation behind cleaning the room is changing the outcome. Right? Because the kid who's doing uh, cleaning the room because his parents are telling him to, Right, it's going to get messy again until your kid, you have to tell your kid again. Whereas the person who's who's excited about it or ready to clean their room because they see the mess they've made, they're going to keep it longer. They're going to keep it clean longer. And so that's the question I have for us. Are we excited about the relationship of God with God? And that we are excited what God has for us? Is that our hearts? Or is it more like, "Ah, I'm doing this thing because that's what God tells me to do? It's just another like checkbox of, okay, I'm going through the motions. God says, man, I don't care if you're going through the motions. What I care about is your heart. Where is your heart at? And so how do we keep growing? How to continue on? I think a big thing is by opening up our Bibles, right? God gave us his word In, in And this is God's word to us, to help us, to teach us, to rebuke us, and to correct us when we're going off track. But it's there to train us as well. So we can learn how we've messed up our sin, the sin that destroys us, but it also teaches us how to love God, how to grow in our relationship with God. And so I think a big thing is if we're not opening up our Bibles and getting in there and learning what God has for us, I think we're missing out on growing our hearts for God. One of my favorite verses, this is the last one we got here, is James 4, 7 and 8. says this. Uh, I'm going to read a little different, but it says the same things. It says, Submit yourselves then to God. Submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. This verse, like, blows my mind. It says, first off, submit, right? God, you are number one. God, you are my creator. God, I'm going to listen to what you have for me. And then it says, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Like this gets me excited to think that as I'm growing, as I'm submitting myself to God, as I'm growing in my relationship with God, and I'm saying, okay, no more to this thing that's drawing my focus, only submitting myself to God, um, like that sin will slowly, that the devil will slowly flee away from me so that it will not be a struggle anymore. That the devil and his temptations will not be such a burden in my life. And as that happens, I'm drawing closer, near to God. And it says that that God comes near to you. God wants a relationship with you. God wants to be close with you. Right? If we just woke up every morning thinking about this alone, I think it might change our whole day, right? Like, God wants a relationship with me. Like, God wants to be near me. And hopefully our our desire is to be near God. And so every day we have this opportunity to flee temptation, to, to, to resist temptation, and to draw near to God. So every day we can be in the Word looking for God's beauty, looking at the Good Shepherd who wants to protect us and guide us and be there for us. And we can be praising and worshiping God and His greatness and, and have an expression of love for who God is. And then we can be praying for God or praying to God, asking Him to help us in times of temptation that we'll be aware of when those things come in our lives. And so I pray that we are a people right, that are in God's Word who are growing with God, so that we can have this abundant life that He has for us, that He wants us to be a part of. So think about your life. What does it look like? What could it look like if we had total commitment to God? If we say yes to God, if we listened to God. Right? That the stress and the troubles of the world aren't a part of our lives anymore because we have found. A peace in God because we are with God. That we resist the temptations and the things that draw our eyes away because we're drawing near to God. The good shepherd wants what's best for us. He wants us to truly be happy. And true happiness, an abundant life happens when we're focused on God and we're drawing near to God. To Him. Let's go ahead and stand and pray, and then we're going to continue worshiping and praising God and drawing near in our relationship with Him. Dearly Father, I thank you for your love and your care and for who you are. And Lord, that you that you are there. In the troubles, in the trials, in the stress, in the temptations, you are there and you have and you want. What's best for us? Even though we sin and we choose wrongly and poorly often, you are still there and you love us and you care about us. And you want us to have the best life possible. Lord, I pray that our desire, our hearts, is to grow with you. Lord, make it my heart to grow more in you, that every day I'm drawing near to you because you want to draw near to me. In your holy and precious name, amen.